0: Hello everyone, this is Pam Montgomery with the Organization of Nature Evolutionaries and thank you so much for joining us today. We have a great program and we are so happy to welcome Jolie Alon. And Jolie and I met each other, um, we were on the same panel together actually at the Bioneers Conference this past year and it was really great to meet Jolie. She's a wonderful storyteller so I think you're going to enjoy this today. Jolie is the founding director of Go Wild Institute, whose mission is to weave science, myth, and spirit to find balance in the great web of life. She's an ethnobotanist and deep ecologist. Jolie loves to turn people on to the intelligence of nature, and she teaches widely throughout the West. She also mentors folks who want to increase their intimacy with our sacred, sentient earth. You can learn more about her and Go Wild at GoWildInstitute.org. One more time, that's gowildinstitute.org. Julie, you say that Go Wild Institute weaves science, myth, and spirit to find balance in the web of life. I'm just curious, why, why are these myths so important in maintaining balance? Thank you,
1: Pam. That was a beautiful introduction. Um, hi, everyone. And I think that myth is incredibly important in maintaining the balance of life because there is so much earth wisdom that's embedded in the old stories. And in a way, they're told to us um, in ways that we can actually grok them holistically. And um, instead of going too far into the, the specifics of how myths work, I just wanted to share um, a myth with you, and we can kind of go from there. Um, and this, this one is, some of you may have heard it, um, and it was shared to me by my teacher, Bobby Lake Tom, who also is known as Medicine Grizzly Bear, and he was a really amazing, um, powerful medicine man from Northern California. And this story was given to him by his, his friend, Rolling Thunder. And um, So, I'm gonna read it because there's so many pieces in here that um, it's important to include them all. And at first, when I read this uh, story, I didn't at fir- how do I say it? at first when I read it, I only picked up on a few things and then I've been reading it for years and almost every time I read it, something else comes through that I'm that I had no idea was even in there. There's like little gems hidden everywhere. and um, so as I read it, what I want people to to do is to sort of see what parts resonate with them, because um, myths speak to us where we are, and they um, help us follow our golden thread, which is what helps us, in a way, get back to balance with nature. So, without further ado, the story is called The Origin of Health. Sorry, The origin of Human Sickness and Medicine. In the olden days, before my great-grandfather's time, the animal people, bird people, fish people, snake people, bug people, tree people, and plant people could talk. They lived together in balance, peace, and goodwill. They all depended on each other and helped each other in their relationship with the human people. But as time went on, the human beings began to increase so fast that their settlements spread over the whole earth. As a result, the other relations on Mother Earth found themselves beginning to be cramped for room to live. To make matters worse, the human people invented bows and knives, blowguns, spears, hooks, and many other kinds of tools, and they began to slaughter the larger animals, birds, and fishes for their flesh and their skins, while the smaller creatures, such as the frogs and worms, were crushed and trodden upon without thought. Out of pure carelessness and contempt, They were trodden on. No longer were they respected as equal relations. (laughs) This sounds kind of familiar, doesn't it? Um, So the animals decided to have a special council meeting to discuss what they could for their safety. The bears were the first to meet in the council in their townhouse under the sacred Kulwani, I don't know how to pronounce that mountain, known as the Mulberry Place. The old white bear chief presided over the council and its matters. One by one, the relations in nature complained of the way in which the human people had killed their friends and family. How the human relations had ate their flesh and used their skins, made religious regalia out of their teeth and claws, or just took their feathers without even asking permission. Thus it was decided to begin a war against the human beings for their lack of respect and constant cruel and selfish behavior. One of the animal people asked that weapon sorry, asked what weapons did the man use to destroy them? Bows and arrows, cried the red bears. And what are they made of, was the next question. The bow of wood and the string from our entrails, one of them replied. It was then proposed that they would make some bows and arrows and fight the human beings with their own weapons. So one of the young bears got a nice piece of locust wood and the other one sacrificed himself for the good of the rest of the group, offering parts of his body for the string. But when everything was ready, the first bear stepped up to make the practice shot, and it was discovered that in letting the arrow fly after drawing back the bow, that his long claws caught on the string, hence spoiling his aim. Then it was suggested that the bear's claws be trimmed, hence after the second attempt, the arrow went straight to its mark. But the old white bear chief objected, saying it was necessary for them to have long claws in order to climb trees, get food, dig for herbs, and defend themselves. So he counseled that it was better to trust the teeth and the claws that the creator had given them for survival in nature, rather than sacrificing themselves for human weapons. After much smoking and serious meditation, no one can think of a better plan. So the old white bear chief dismissed the council and they went back to the woods without ever coming up with a way to stop the increase in abuse of the human race. And if this council meeting had gone otherwise, now we would be at war with the bears. A few months later, the deer people held a council under their chief, Little Deer, and after some serious discussion, they decided to send rheumatism and arthritis to every human hunter who would kill um, unless he asked for the permission for, of the life with prayer and payment in tobacco. This is the way to show respect for the powers of creation. So the deer people sent notice of their decisions to the nearest settlements of Indians and told the human beings that this would be one of the laws of nature. Now whenever the hunter shoots a deer, the little deer spirit who is swift as the wind and cannot be wounded, runs quickly to up to the spot and bending over the bloodstains, asks the spirit of the deer if, he, if it has heard the prayers of the hunter, if it was given payment in exchange for his life and all the good things it has to offer. If the reply is yes, then all is well, and the dear spirit will go on its way. But if the reply is no, then he follows on the trail of the hunter, guided by the drops of blood on the ground until he arrives at his cabin in the settlement. At that point, he will enact punishment and strike the hunter and his family with rheumatism or arthritis, making them a cripple to live in pain for the hunter's selfishness. This is why today no hunter who has regard for his health and the welfare of his family ever fails to do a ceremony or ask pardon of the deer for taking its life. Next came the fish and the reptiles and snakes who had their own complaints. Um, And so they decided to make their victims have tormenting dreams of snakes twining about them in slimy folds, blowing bad breath into their faces, or to make them have bad dreams of eating raw or decaying fish. That is why today human beings have such bad dreams and illness and mental illness. Finally, the birds, insects, and the smaller creatures came together for the same purpose. The notorious grubworm was chief of the council. It was decided that each, in turn, would give an opinion and that they would vote on the question as to whether or not human beings were guilty of offenses against nature. Seven votes should be enough to condemn. That's one after another, they denounced human cruelty and injustice towards the other relations in nature in favor of the human beings to get diseases and death. The frog spoke first saying, we must do something to stop the increase of the human population or they will become so numerous that we shall not exist. See how they have kicked me, sorry, see how they have even kicked me about because they think I'm ugly until my back is covered with sores and he showed everyone the spots on his skin. Next came the plant people. No one today remembers now which one it was, who condemned, sorry, sorry. Next came the bird people. No one today remembers now which it was who condemned the human beings for their ruthlessness against birds and
0: nature. They all
1: began to devise and name so many new diseases, one after another, that it had not been for some time, sorry, that had it not been for some failures in the plot, the entire human race would not be able to survive. The grubworm, especially, became more pleased as the name of each disease was called off until at last they reached the end of the list um, when somebody proposed to make menstruation a sickness and problem for women. The plant people, who have always been friendly for human beings, heard what had been decided and done by their other relations in nature, so they too held counsel. The plant people with their herbal people made a pledge to continue to help the human people. It is their power, their medicine and gifts that can defeat the evilness and sickness now bestowed upon humans. Hence, each plant, every kind of tree, even certain shrubs, down to the grasses and the mosses and the mushroom-type growths can furnish a cure for the various human diseases and sicknesses. Some even hold the secret to stop death and dying or bring a human back from death. Even weeds were made for some good purpose if only we learned to respect and learn and listen to the plant people. Thus came medicine and secrets from nature. So as you, as you think about that story, I want you, you know, maybe, maybe hold on to the piece that most intrigued you, that most called you, that most rang a, a, a chord in you. Um, and then maybe hold up, hold on to that for the questions later um, so i think myths are incredibly important for understanding our nature um, and i didn't realize this until i actually became embroiled i don't know if that's the right word in in the myth of the oak in the mythology of the oaks and um, i'm i'm by nature a scientist i've I've studied forestry and botany, and I field botanist, and, um, and I, I've worked with a lot of indigenous peoples, and I, I always, um, when people talk about myth as if it's a living being, I never really got it until my um, experience with the Oaks. So my love affair with the Oaks began on my honeymoon, and it outlasted my marriage. Uh, my my beloved David and I were gathering. Uh, we were on our honeymoon in Napa Valley and the acorns were raining down from the trees. They were everywhere. You couldn't walk anywhere without stepping on an acorn. And so I knew that people had eaten acorns all over the, the West Coast, um, that they were the major food of the native Californians. Um, of the indigenous Californians. And people ate them every single day. It was their staple food. And I thought, well, there's acorns on the ground. Um, Why don't we gather them and eat them? And so we gathered 20 pounds. I had a little, like a a sort of big purse, and I threw all of these acorns in in my purse, and my acorn adventures began. And I never would've dreamed in my wildest dreams that the oaks would then commandeer my life and basically get me to do their bidding, which I'm doing right now, right? I'm telling the story of the Oaks. I am part of the mythology of the Oaks right now and so are you. Um, But I never would have dreamed they would have started coming into my dreams and teaching me. Um, But that's what happens sometimes when you fall in love deeply with nature, with a plant or an animal. So, when I got home from my honeymoon, I put my acorns in the food de- dehydrator and I proceeded to learn how to make food from acorns, which um, is pretty easy. And if you guys are interested in that aspect, you can go to my website and there's a whole blog post on how to make food from acorns. And, you know, acorns are incredibly nutritious. They, just 10 ounces of acorns can give you your daily allowance of carbs and um fat, and about a third of your protein. So, And they're incredibly abundant. One large oak tree can produce 500 to 1,000 pounds of acorns. Well, a value can give 1,000 pounds of acorns, but even if it's giving 300 pounds of acorns, right, if one person is eating let's say one pound a day, even though you only need 10 ounces, but I'm going to make the math easy, you only need about 300 pounds a year per person. So a family of Four can get all of most of their nutritional needs from four or five trees. And they can gather it in a week. So talk about food security. When people who lived within the Oaks, people who lived within the Oaks had an amazing food security that um, that would probably blow most of our, our minds. Um, Can you imagine doing most of your work in a couple weeks to get most of your food for the year? That's incredible. Um, And so, but people just didn't eat acorns in California. People ate them wherever they grow. And so oak trees grow in a band around the world, mostly in the northern hemisphere. They do dip down into like Indonesia but they grow in Greece and England and Korea and North Africa and Russia and in many of those places where people lived among the oaks. People ate acorns and they had great relationships with oak trees Um, and we'll talk about that in a bit. And, And the mythology is then reflected in those relationships with the oaks, which I later found out. Um So I learned all this about acorns, and really I had um, a hidden mission when I started eating acorns. I had spent my life as an itinerant activist. I lived in my truck and I would go from when I was very when I was you know in my early 20s, I lived in my truck and I would go from activist encampment to activist encampment and I traveled all over. I lived in, I don't know, 20-something houses. And when I married David, I wanted to dedicate myself to the land. I knew that it was possible to have a deep relationship with the earth because I had worked with indigenous people who had just incredible relationships with their homeland. And um, I wanted to have, I wanted to weave myself into my new homeland. And having kind of made the commitment to David to build my family, I made a commitment to the land. And I figured I'm just going to eat my way into the web of life. And it just was such an amazing experience that I had to start teaching people. So I formed this program called Wisdom of the Oaks, and I started going into Schools, um, K through college, but mostly fourth and fifth grade because it matches um, the Common Core curriculum. And so I I've taught thousands of people about oak ecology and acorn food and um, and it was it was sort of like I was being called I I it just happened. Um, but so now that I'm doing the work of the oak trees. Um, they started. They started coming to me and and giving me more wisdom. And so i had been married to David for a while. Um, and you know, truth be told, it was hard. My marriage was really hard, and I was having a hard time. Um, I started having uh, flashbacks of being abused as a sexually abused as a child, and that began on my honeymoon too, so that began right um, at the same time that I gathered acorns. So it's really impossible for me to separate my healing journey from the oak trees, and uh, and well, you'll see how the oak trees healed me in a bit. So I was having a very hard time. I had PTSD. I could barely sleep. I was really not able to function and I was terrified all the time and David and I were fighting constantly and I was trying everything I could and every kind of therapy and it was like I had to like do Jiu-Jitsu on every single cell in my body Um, and at one point um, you know David David moved out and I was it was rock bottom. I was super, super, super sad and really sort of on the edge of having my mental health. And my cat of 21 years died. And I remember looking at my altar and there was like my wedding ring and a picture of my cat. And I was really could not find the ground under my feet. I I don't know if anyone has ever been brought to their knees like that. Um, but... When that happened, I had a dream and in my dream I needed all of my my limbs amputated. I was a little girl and I was going to have all my limbs amputated and I was terrified and I ran out into the middle of this crazy storm and I was holding on for dear life onto this big mama oak tree, this massive tree. And I could hear the tree talk to me. And she said, do you see how tall I am? And I'm crying. And I'm actually wearing like a pink tutu, which is very not in character. Um, I'm crying. And I said, yeah, I see how tall you are. And she said, do you see how wide my canopy is? I said, yes, I see how wide your canopy is. She goes, my roots go out just that, that wide. And so if you need me, you can come hold on to me in a storm and I will help ground you. I'll be there for you. And I woke up and I could find the ground under my feet again, which was incredible, right? This was like the oaks were healing me now. I'm, I'm doing their work and they're coming to heal me. And then um, I had another dream mm-hmm. where I, was, uh, I had gone down into the roots. I had t- entered a little portal and I went down into the roots of this oak tree. And I was in this like massive oak tree and I could feel the energy pooling basically pulling energy from all over, and I watched it. I could feel it. Like the, the hairs on my arms were standing up, and um, and there was just this building and building of energy. And all of a sudden, whew, It flashed, and I could see the lightning go through the roots and up into the canopy, and um, and I knew that the lightning was like acting as sort of an acupuncture point for the earth, and that I also knew that the land was being uh, revitalized, that somehow the land was being made fertile again. And I woke up and I thought, wow, I've just been giving an assignment from, from Mother Earth, from the oak trees, to learn about the oaks. And so as I started researching about oaks and uh, lightning, I realized that throughout history, oaks and lightning are associated with each other, partly because they uh, have very, very deep roots, and so they're they're great electrical conductors. And often in old Europe, they were some of the tallest trees, or I guess in many places around the world. So they often were hit by lightning. But this is where the mythology comes in. So uh, Zeus, you know, the king of the Greek gods, he's considered an oak god. And Thor, he's considered an oak god. Um, So associated, both of them associated with lightning and thunder. And I thought, wow, this is fascinating. What is this mythology pointing at? How, How are these oaks important to these cultures? We have these head gods being oak gods. Oh, also associated with the eagle. And, it's, um, it started, I started to learn, think about mythology in a really different way because now the earth is kind of pointing me, like lear, learn about this, learn about the mythology. And, uh, and then I started looking in the Torah, so I'm Jewish, and it turns out Abraham, the father of the Jews and Christianity and um, Islam, right? he first saw what became the Jewish God Underneath an oak tree called the Tree of Mora, which means Teacher Tree, and this just wasn't some random tree. This was an oracle tree that people would go to for downloading um, spirit, for 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 insight, for vision. And this tree was a very old tree, and it probably well, it did predate any Judaism. It was back when we were, you know, all kind of at the same earth altar, I think. Um, and so Abraham, he, he got his visions at the Oak of Mora, and then actually there's other things where he moves into the oak woodlands of the, um, the, the uh, Oaks of Mamre, and they have visions there too, which are really important for the Jewish religion, where Sarah's gonna find out she's um, gonna have babies even though she, she's 80-something. All right, so it's a big part of the Jewish mythology. And then one day I asked a rabbi, like, what's up with this oaks and Abraham? And so we started looking at a lot of the the text. And he says, you know, one of the other meanings for oak is it's hidden in plain sight. It's hidden in plain sight. And I was like, yeah, that's it. The oaks, their wisdom is hidden in plain sight. And I was sort of tapping into it, um, But it wasn't about what I was doing, the oaks were teaching me, because I was having a relationship with them and I was honoring them. Um, So this was amazing. Oh and then I realized that lightning, lightning is five times the heat of the sun. Five times the heat of the sun. So what it does is that it takes nitrogen in the air that's usually unavailable in the soil and it fixes it and it makes it available to the soil. So in in uh, in places where there wasn't chemical fertilizers, right? When lightning hit an oak tree, it revitalized the whole land and sort of brought life back to these villages, which is pretty amazing, right? So another reason that the oaks were honored and lightning were honored, and um, why well, it's part of the mythology. So. Um, You know, I'm still completely fascinated. I'm on this journey with the oaks, and I'm like, wow, now they're talking to me in my dreams. This is amazing. And I always knew that other people could do this. I certainly had seen native people who who say they talk to trees and and plants, but I honestly didn't think that it was within my realm of possibility because I'm a Jew from New York. And, you know, and I also really didn't want to be Appropriating anybody's culture, because, um, well, I don't, I don't want to do that. But then it's also like, how do we have real, authentic relationships with the plants and animals where we live without appropriating other people's culture? And, um, I mean, it's a big question, which you know we could talk about in the talk about later. But for me, it came down to. This is actually, how I am in this story. The oaks are speaking to me. I'm not taking what someone else said about the oaks. I'm actually having my own relationship. And it turns out people all over the world have relationships with oaks. So to me, that felt like, yeah, I don't, nobody owns the oak. You know, no no one owns the earth in that way. And we all have a right to have authentic, deep relationships with our plants, even if we're not native. Anyway, so then David and I had split up for a while and uh, I was still reeling, having a hard time with divorce and um, still with PTSD and I decided I wanted to go on a retreat and I was, I hiked up Mount Tam which is um, one of the mountains, well, kind of a mountain um, in, in the Bay Area. And I was going up there to stay for a few days. And as I'm walking up this mountain, I hear, hey, you! Hey, you! And I I seriously thought there was like a person screaming at me. And then I turned around, and it was this little, I don't know, maybe five-year-old, ten-year-old pan oak tree. And pan oak trees on... um, in in California, are very uh, sick. They're super sick with the disease called sudden oak death. And um, some scientists believe that the tan oaks are going to disappear from that part of the world. And anyway, so this tan oak's like, hey, you. I said, yes. Uh, And it said, when you get a chance, will you please come sit with us? You know, what are you going to say to that? Of course you say yes. So when, so after my mind was clear for a couple of days, I'd been meditating and I went and sat down with these tan oaks. And I, I gave a gift, an offering. I, you know, introduced myself as I was told by my teachers. Hello, my name is Jolie Alon. You know, I'm offering this gift and I, I, I'm here to learn what you can teach me or show me your medicine or whatever you want to say. Um, I, I think I said I'm listening You know, please tell me what, what, you, what you have to share and <clears throat> I went so far deep down into some other realm that I came like I opened my eyes probably 20 minutes later and I was weeping and I had no idea what happened and so I was like well I guess I better try again so I uh, I sat again and the trees said this to me we're dying. Our wisdom is leaving the planet. No one loves us anymore. We used to be loved and honored, and, and nobody, nobody cares for us anymore. And we're dying. And we miss our people. And we watch them die. And I, it's super sad, right? To feel that. To feel, like, you know, it's like a, almost a genocide of of these trees. And um, I said, well, what what can I do to help? And they said, you can do ceremony for us on Mount Tam. And I said, but I'm Jewish and from New York. And they said, yes, we're not happy about that either. <laughs> but you're what we have because you're listening, right? And the thing is, that trail that I was on where the channel Oaks called to me, that's a very popular area in a in like a, the Bay Area, which is very populated. And I don't know how many times those trees have called out to humans and nobody listened. And I feel like those trees are calling out to us, the plants are calling out to us all the time. Just like in that um, in that story, they are here for us and they want us um, to listen and they want, they're kind and they want us to heal. Um, so anyway, I've been doing ceremony for the tan oaks for the last six years. And um, I guess I want to share another myth about the tan oaks, actually. Um, it's called the, the, the acorn maiden. So a long, 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 long time ago there were acorn maidens in the sky. And the creator said, you better hurry up and weave your hats because humans are going to be born. And so they're weaving their hats and they're weaving their hats really fast and the creator said, that's it. Time's up. Humans have been born. So now it's time for you to go down to earth and be gifts for the humans. Well, Tano maiden, she didn't finish weaving her hat and her hat was all spiky and you can see a picture of tan oak somewhere if you can just look it up and her her cap of her acorn is very spiky and uh she was so upset oh my god crater i'm gonna be the ugliest acorn i can't deal with this this is horrible well the other acorn maidens like uh white oak acorn she finished weaving her hat and it was nice And, and you know she was happy with it and and uh, coast live oak acorn. She finished weaving her hat, and she was good with it. And black oak acorn. She didn't finish weaving her hat, but she just picked up a basket and put it on her head. And um, and it depends on which tribe is telling the story, which acorns they have around them. So they'll, you know, if they have black oak around them, they'll use black oak. So different tribes tell it differently, but. Um, Anyway, so Tano, very upset. Oh, my God, I'm going to be so ugly. So, you know, sometimes when you feel kind of bad about yourself, um, you end up getting jealous of other people, and then sometimes you wish bad things on other people. I sometimes feel that way, even though I'm not proud of it. Well, Tano said that. She wished bad things on the other acorns. She wished they would be bitter and black, they make their soup black or that they would be too hard to pound or they would be too small. So she wished bad things on the other acorns. And um, the creator said, you know what, tanok you're being mean and petty, but I forgive you because we're all like that sometimes. And so um, I, I will grant you your wish. So the acorn maidens turned their heads into their hats and they fell down to earth and they were loved by humans. They were the, um, but Tan Oak, she was the most tasty and most desired. So um, you know, the Tan Oaks kind of intertwined their fate with the humans. They, they They were, their value was based on their humans loving them and eating them up. And when their humans died, they became very, very sad. Um, and I feel like that about so many of our plants. They're missing us, they're missing us. They, they, they know what a relationship with humans could be they, um, and they miss that and here we are humans going around tromping on everything like in the story that I first told and, uh, and the plants are saying, we can help show you the way back, and you know now is the time to start listening. And you know sometimes the best way to listen is um, you just fall in love with a plant, whatever plant it is. And sometimes you know what can help us listen is if we have to go through our own traumas and heal our own personal ways in which we block out the signal from nature. Um, Sometimes we go through the old stories, but whatever, whatever way to get there, um, we, we have to follow our golden threads back to our Mother Earth so she can help heal us. Um, I think that's all I want to say. Um, we can open it up if there's any questions or thoughts or
0: things that people want to share.
1: How's that, Pam?
0: Uh, Jolie, you know, thank you so much for your stories and you um, and your and telling the myths along with it because I'm I'm always very fascinated by that too. What are the, what are the, like the origination stories about the plants and all that? So thank you so much for that. I'm curious what what your thoughts are. What oak is informing you? about these times that we're in that are a little crazy um i mean you know they are what they are and here we are but i'm wondering if oak is like giving you some clues about how we might um you know move through these times
1: yeah that's a good question um well i think that you know i don't know what the oaks are telling other people Um, but what the Oaks are telling me is that we have, as humans, have a capacity to source from our Mother Earth, and people have done it for a long time, and the Oaks are, um, they have so much wisdom, and we have the capacity to tap into that wisdom and be part of the ecosystem. I mean, they, excuse me, they, they, they completely taught me that you can dream with nature and that nature can actually download information to us. And those downloads often come sort of like myths. So, I mean, I think the oaks have been a portal to the divine. They've been sort of the gateway plant for a lot of people because you see all these myths about oaks being the gateway and, and oaks being oracle trees. So I would say... You know, your mileage may vary, but I suggest go sit by an oak tree and see what that oak tree is telling you personally or, you know, our listeners personally about what wisdom they have to give us in our time. You know, it's, um, it, we all have to follow our own personal downloads from nature so we can be of service to our Mother Earth right now. I don't know if that answered your question.
0: Yeah, it does, and and so so this is something that comes up uh, with me a lot with my students and everything. And I'm imagining it does for you as well, is that that little bit where you know where your mind wants to get in there and say, play little tricks with you and say say oh it, oh you're just making that up. That's just your imagination. So what would you say to our listeners about you know kind of. I would call it the first voice, but you know, listening to so when you when you're sitting with oak and you're listening and you're wanting to be informed and you're listening, how do you how have you differentiated between your mind messing with you and and and, and knowing and, and going into that knowingness that you're being informed right. by oak? I, mean, I, I think some ultimate, of our Yeah, go ahead.
1: I mean that's the that is that is the main question, right? I mean that's that is it. Like And I think um, what works for me is I have a meditation practice, so I'm pretty familiar with the the cycles and loops of my own mind. If a tree tells me that I'm doing something wrong and that I'm stupid, generally that's my own voice. (laughs) I don't think I've ever had a a tree tell me that or a plant tell me that. Um, And I think that plants speak to us in riddles and rhymes and myths and stories. And so sometimes like a plant will talk to me and I won't be able to figure it out for the longest time. Um, And then it clicks and it's like such a level of brilliance that I could never have made up in my wildest dreams. I mean, is that your experience too? Pam?
0: Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm having to unmute my phone. <laughs> I have to, I'm keeping my phone muted because it's got a little static in it. So, um, so I have to unmute and that takes me a minute to do that. But, um, oh sorry. yeah, I, I would say that, you know, I, I kind of go by the ping thud method, which is, you know, when your heart goes ping. <laughs> or whether it goes thud, you know, it's kind of like you know when when you feel like the plant or the tree giving you energy, you know, you, you're feeling like you're energized from it. Then to me, that's always a sure sign. They're like, oh, okay, you know, this is the, the, we're we're you know we're vibing uh, and, you know on the same on the same frequency here. So. Um, so, yeah, it's just, you know, I would agree with you when, when you're getting dissed, you know, when you're not this, you're not that, what do you mean, blah, blah, blah. It's, it's your mind just, you know, messing with you. And so you, what I do is, you know, one of my teachers said, just, you know, ask it to go out for donuts and, like, you know, let your ego go out for donuts. And, um, you know, so I just I kind of separate it out and I just ask it to go take a break so that so that I can just have a direct Line, you know, a Jack Channel with the with the plant of the tree. So, so yeah, yeah, that's, that's what I would say. So, um, so yeah, one I mean,
1: of the I, I go ahead.
0: Oh, I just want to ask you about, um, you know, uh, like you know, you're talking with the plants. How did so you, you talked that you had said you had a good meditation practice that helps. Um, but how did you how did you learn other than learning directly from the plants and the trees? What what would you what would you say to folks about you know about the dreaming and talking with the plants and, and like how did you did you do that on your own or did you have someone teach you and I, I know you've done a lot of work with native folks um but i think a lot of people are like oh okay well that's easy for for you guys to do it but what you know what about me i've never been taught that so i'm just curious what you might say to folks about that
1: that's a great question um i think people taught me um i i I mean, I went to go live on the Navajo Reservation when I was 19, you know, I mean, I was so drawn. I mean, I worked with many different um, Native groups and Native causes to protect sacred sites, and, and so I had some amazing teachers, um, and I think teachers are important. Um, and, I mean, I think teachers can help us interpret our dreams, too. Um, I, I think, you know, the, the main, one, knowing it's possible. That's, I think, imp- that important. Knowing it's possible, being in circles with people who are supporting that possibility, that are, that are, you know, if you're hanging out with people who are like, you can't talk to plants, I suggest you don't talk about it with them and go hang out with other people who um, open that possibility. Because, like, w- when I do plant spirit journeys with a group, it's far more powerful because people are sharing things that are just, oh my God, you got that, I got that. So when you when you actually have a group experience where that's validated, like that is like gold because you know oftentimes we doubt ourselves, but when we're doing it in a circle and people are like, "Wow, the trillium told me that." Oh, the trillium told you that too. Like that's when we can start being like, "Wow, this isn't just me. The plants can communicate." And I think we have to. Um, let's see what else. Another way is also. Um, learning about the intelligence of nature and learning about actually some of the science about how plants, um, plants are smart, right? They respond to their environment. They are interacting with everything around them. And so there's some great research about the intelligence of plants. I'm actually teaching a, a class on the intelligence of nature next week. You guys can check it out if you want. But um, so like backing up the, with the science about how they're living intelligent beings that actually, I think, takes some pressure off people because they're not thinking that they're so airy-fairy. And I think, honestly, the main way that stuff broke through for me to where I started downloading stuff that is beyond my wildest dreams is that I had to heal my own trauma. And I pretty much, like, had to piece together my psyche back together. And, uh, And I think that that trauma, it keeps us stuck and it it blocks the channels. Um, and, you know, I'm really interested to know from you, Pam, like, is is that the case for, for you and what you see in a lot of your students? Because for me, I, I mean, I pretty much had to like, I got to a place where I felt so lonely and so um, broken and I was working with the Oaks and loving them and I was following the Oaks, but like they just kind of took pity on me um, in that I was humble and, and needing and desperate. And so I don't know if we really allow ourselves to get there so much. And I feel like that's when the plants can come to us when we're vulnerable and sad and lonely and need them, you know. So is that, is that your experience
0: too? Well, I would say that, um, you know, they're amazing healers. And it, it's, as you know, and it's it's one of those things where when you come to them with an open heart and 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 your mind is, you know, not uh, trying to run the show, and you just kind of surrender to the healing power of the plants and 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 really trust that trust that that they can act they can actually do this on all levels. Physically, emotionally, mentally, and spiritually. Spiritually, and that I think that's kind of what it is for me is just surrendering to them and letting the healing take place. and And it doesn't mean it doesn't mean that it whisks it away from my experience. You know, whatever whatever I've gone through, it's it's still a part of my experience. That that doesn't miraculously get whisked away. However, it doesn't it doesn't it's not predominant. It's not the predominant energy anymore and so when it shifts when the predominant energy shifts, then amazing healing takes place. So I, I think it's, it's a lot about I mean I, I think it's the plants and the trees that are helping us to heal from, from these intense traumas and, you know and, and not only is it personal traumas but it's you know it's on so many levels. Uh, right now we're going through all kinds of layers and levels of, of um, uh, trauma. And um, you know, I mean, uh, so I just feel like we have to we have to let them, you know, get out of our own ways and let them uh, let them do do what they're so good at doing. And because we're in this amazing symbiotic relationship with them, it's it's actually they're probably it's the easiest access in a lot of ways to healing is is via the plants because we're so so related and. So anyway, I I just feel like, you know, whenever I have any kind of trauma, any kind of thing that's really just freaking me out, that's who I go to for my healing. And I make an attempt to get myself out of the way, meaning that, you know, to get to let go of, oh, I know how to, I, I know, I know best, oh, I know best, but you know, it's like, it's like what you were saying about your experience with, with Oak. It's like, well, this is my experience with Oak and that's what, and that's real, you know, and that's, you know, and so then you become, you know, you, you're the author of your own experience. So therefore you become an authority on Oak experience because that's, that's how, so anyway, I just, I just feel like um, they're amazing healers and they can really help us, but we, we do need to get ourselves out of the way so that they can do the healing. So, I yeah, know.
1: and I, I, I couldn't agree more. I mean, I, I think that, like, you know, the, the power, you know, like my experience, it's, it's, it's amazing. I mean, from, like, an objective point of view, like, it's amazing, but it's so not about me. You know, those oaks, they're getting me to, to do their bidding. Here I am doing their bidding, talking about them. Like, I have had to surrender in so many ways to... This is my path. And, and and I feel like in these times of great change, one of the blessings is, is that we can let go of our bluster that we actually know what the hell our lives are going to look like or where we're going to be or wh- what anything's going to be because it's so unknown. And I feel like when we are open to that sort of dramatic transformation and we are humble, like we are we can tap into this great web of life that then can direct us. But like when we're like feeling like we're like these individuals who need to figure out like how am i going to change the world or what am i going to do to like or what, you know, what, what kind of great medicine person am i going to be? You know, it's like well it, when when the story is about us um it, it's really hard to tap into the medicine of nature. And so i guess i mirror what you're saying is like we have to get out of the way and um and and be open to any possibilities. And, you know, we're so caught up in the story of our culture and um, money and, you know, trying to make a living in this world that it's sort of hard to, like, be on the same sort of time scale as the plants and to, to allow them to, like, take our life in their own directions. And it's, it's not like they're taking our lives in a direction. It's like we're becoming part of that life force and we're going to be propelled um, in a different way than we're usually propelled. And that is a break from our um, business as usual. And I think that's what's being called right now um, from us.
0: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I agree. Um, I want to open this up, Julie. To uh, I'm, there's a, quite a few people here um, on this teleseminar today, and see if anybody has any questions for you. We've got a, a few minutes left, and all you have to do is press star five, and star five uh, shows a little hand go up, and I can see your little hand go up, and I can unmute your phone so that you can ask or your whatever you're on device you're on, and uh, you can ask a question. So. If you press star five, I will see a hand go up. We have a little bit of time, so I'm sure there's somebody out there who's got some questions about oaks, or there's so much to learn. Oh, here we go. Or something. Oh, great. Hang on. Let me, let me, um, let's see. Hang on. (laughs) Okay, this is... No, um, one
1: second. Pam, Pam, your microphone is not crackling anymore, so you don't have to unmute yourself
0: anymore. Oh, oh, good. (laughs) Okay. Hello. Can you hear me?
2: Hi, I can hear you.
0: Okay. Do you have a question for Jolie?
2: Um, I actually have a comment. I noticed that um, Jolie mentioned, you know, being from New York City. Um, and I, I wanted to share to um, with everyone uh, how possible it is to make connections with the trees In New York, i lived there for two years. And um, two years ago, I... I had, like, this, um, like, almost, like, initiatory experience, I guess, um, with a tree that was in um, in Washington Heights in, in Fort Trine Park. And it was just like Jolie was talking about, really just falling in love with a tree that I, I passed, like, I must have passed it, like, a thousand times. And then one day it just called to me, and I just very... Um, like you would with a friend, just I kept going back to that tree and it was the dead of winter. So I didn't even know, I think I was kind of surprised that the tree was sort of awake, let's so say like I, um, during the winter. And But I would just go to the park and just stand by the tree, lean against it, and, and it would um, communicate with me in all sorts of ways. So I, I wanted to add that, you know, sometimes it's like the, the download can come in words, but sometimes it's this, experiential thing and and I think for me it really helps not having a um like a preconception of how the interaction is going to happen with even with the same tree over and over again um like every day is kind of like a new adventure um but I, I wanted to thank Julia so much for um for this call it's been really um really inspiring
1: Mm, well, you're so welcome. I, I think it's, it's true. I agree with you. I think that it's it's like that feeling of love. That's the gateway, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah, I guess, you know, to answer, you just answered Pam's question, I think, like, how do we know? It's, it's that feeling of love, you know? Yeah.
0: Thank you for that. I also just want to um, say thank you so much for bringing it up that you know the ways in which our communication takes place is there, there's all kinds of ways. You know, there's no one set thing way that works, and it can be come to you in so many different ways. So thank you so much for bringing that piece up because I think some folks think, oh, it's you know, it's like this. You know, big conversation and with words, and you know, there's, there's all these <laughs> big visions, and you know, I have to remind everybody that it's that we're not engaged in Hollywood here necessarily, um, uh-huh. and and that that you know, it's it come it can come through sensations, it can come through so many different ways. So thank you, thank you, thank you for bringing that up. Okay, is there anyone else who has a comment or a question here? We've got a little bit a little bit that we can um, a little bit of time left for. If anybody else has something that they want to... Oh, here we go. Um, Someone whose name I can't see from Tucson. Hello, can you hear me?
3: Hi, my name is Louise. Can you hear me? Hi, Louise. Hi there. Um, I loved everything that you shared, and I'm an old Jewish lady from Connecticut living in Arizona, Mm -hmm. and every night I go out and I watch the trees moving in the moonlight. And I feel like I'm, I'm kind of called to dance with them. And the other thing, you know, living in Arizona, where we have a lot of indigenous people, I have been worried about cultural appropriation in terms of ceremony. And I was very grateful for your biblical references. So it feels like, oh, it's okay then, because of the Oaks of Mamre. So. Thank you for that. And I'm also very interested. I have a granddaughter, two granddaughters in Marin, and I'd love to get them hooked up with you. So I will look online at the programs that you're offering. But thank you. Um, the one thing I am concerned about, trees here, I see an awful lot of mistletoe death. And I I I want to save the trees, but the
1: mistletoe is choking them out. Mm. Yeah, I mean, maybe go sit with them and ask them what they eat, or go dance with them. What a concept.
3: Okay, I will try that in the moonlight. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) I I love your talk, and I'm just, I'm so drawn to trees, have been all my life. I grew up with horse chestnut trees, so um, only they weren't edible so far as I knew. But anyway, I'll have to taste some acorns. But thank you so
1: much. Um, Thank, yeah, thank you, and I, I will be thinking of you dancing in the with the trees in the moonlight.
0: That's such a good
1: image. Thank you.
0: Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> okay, so um, I just want that sounds like Jolie that some folks are going to want to connect in with you. So could we just hear from you one more time? How do you know what you, what do you have coming up, and how do people get and find out about it? I know you got your website. Um, so could you just tell us about that before everybody goes along the way here this afternoon I am
1: happy to thank you for asking um, well um, like I have I have a intelligence of nature class coming up which I think will be great because we're going to be learning all about the sort of uh, way in which indigenous wisdom meets cutting-edge science um, and talk about some of the issues uh, revelations about plant intelligence and other life forms. So that's, you can find out about my that on my website. Um, I also teach at Matthew Wood um, Institute of Herbalism, and so I teach a botany, an online botany class there, and you can join anytime. time, and if for folks who are wanting to learn botany, it's sort of, we call it the Mugwort School of Botany, is our like, you know, hidden name, and it's, it's mixing science and spirit. It's super fun, and Matt and I Um, have a lot of fun doing that. Um, And I'm doing another program also called Roots of Resilience, which brings in deep ecology and uh, the work that reconnects, which is Joanna Macy's work about how do we feel our pain, feel feel our feelings for the world, and how do we kind of make sense of this great turning, this great unraveling. That, we, that is going on and sort of how do we build our resilience and source from um, a greater intelligence as we move forward into this great turning. So that, um, that class was really popular. We offered a, a session and then we have had to open another one. So I um, hope you can join us for that. It's a five, five part webinar. And for other things, you can just look at my website, Go www.gowildinstitute.org. And I also take on, um, I've been doing a lot of private men- mentoring with folks who are interested in expanding their connection with nature in whatever way that feels significant to them. So um, come visit, check out the blog, you know, feel free to email me with questions to you and open lines of communication. So I'm really happy to be here with you today. and I really appreciate you coming and listening and
0: um, opening your hearts to the plants. Well, Jolie, thank you so much. I'm, I'm so um, appreciative of you joining us today. Um, it's been great, and it's so good to reconnect with you. And so thank you, thank you, thank you. So everyone, I just want you to um, – I want to thank all of you for coming today and listening uh, to Jolie and what she has to share with us. And please go to our website, which is www.natureevolutionaries.com, you can go there and see um, all that we've got going on. And, um, you know, these teleseminars come to you free, uh, but they are not free to, to produce. So please, um, maybe you might want to go to our website and make a donation, or if you're not a member for a mere $35 a year, you can become a member of of Organization of Nature Evolutionaries. We have a great newsletter that we send out, and um, we are now, these, this is recorded, this this um, teleseminar and now we are starting to create podcasts of all of our teleseminars which is a great new addition next month on may 17th we have cammy mcbride joining us and she will be talking to us about the spring herbal kitchen so that'll be really fun we're going to learn all the good good yummies to eat from the food that's coming up now so i just want to thank you all so much for joining us today and we'll look forward to seeing you again Okay, bye for now.